This is a message preached at St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Deland, Florida. I pray that it would encourage you and bless you. Uh, it will open up with some reading from their liturgy and the scriptures that they have appointed for that week. You'll see God, how he works through liturgy that's been in place for over 500 years and yet how it relates to such a time as this and such hours now. God is faithful, light in the midst of darkness. Hey, what's going on? It's Sean and the Word. This lesson is Paul's address in a public forum to the curious citizens of Athens. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul stood in front of the Areopolis and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. For one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places <coughs> where they would live, so that they would search for God rather whether they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals, while God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm today is Psalm 66 verses 7 through 18, on page 674 in the Book of Common Prayer. Bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, who holds our souls in life and will not allow our feet to slip. For you, O God, have proved us. You have tried us just as silver is tried. You brought us into the snare. You laid heavy burdens upon our backs. You let enemies ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us out into a place of refreshment. I will enter your house with burnt offerings and will pay you my vows, which I promised with my lips and spoke with my mouth when I was in trouble. I will offer you sacrifices of fat beasts with the smoke of rams. I will give you oxen and goats. Come and listen, all you who fear God. And I will tell you what 
he has done for me. I called out to him with my mouth, and his praise was on my tongue. If I had found evil in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. But in truth, God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not rejected my prayer, nor withheld his love from me. This reading offers guidance for all Christians, counseling a readiness to suffer patiently for doing what is right. A reading from the first letter of Peter. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you will be blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts sanctify Christ as your Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for our sins once for all, the righteousness for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He put forth death, she was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water, and baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you. Not a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes. Fill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from the throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Raise 
because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
God bless you. It's a joy to be with you uh, virtually. Um, my wife and I were supposed to be back in Vietnam already, but the day before we were set to leave, the bottom fell out of this thing, and uh, everything was canceled, and we had to be quarantined along with everybody else. It's not been an diff- easy time for, for all of us. It's been a different time. And uh, sometimes God is doing 10,000 things and we really don't even understand all 10,000 of those things at one time. And so I have a word that I believe that is from my heart, from the Lord, and I want to encourage you through it and uh, I pray that you'll be blessed. And so I'm going to preach as though you're sitting in the audience. I would ask that you listen as though you're sitting in the audience as well. Uh, Let's pray. And as we pray, I just would like for you to just say, Holy Spirit of living God, have your way. Holy Spirit of living God, speak to my heart. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you're not bound by time, God. You're not bound by distance. And Lord, we know that what you're doing here today, God, you're doing right then and there in their home and their hearts. And I pray, God, that you would, oh, Holy Spirit, loose the power of heaven upon us, God. Baptize us afresh with your word and with a fresh anointing and with fresh power, God. Lord, that we may magnify you and exalt you in these days. Lord, that there may be a testimony in the land, God, that our God reigns and Jesus is still the answer. And Father, we just pray, God, for for your word to go out in power and truth and that the homes and hearts of everyone who hears this will be blessed and encouraged and stirred up in the most holy of faith, O God. Holy Spirit of living God, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit of living God, have your way in this time. Do what only you can do in our midst. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I, something, I heard something a couple weeks ago that's been in my heart, and as it, it's just, it penetrated my heart to a point that I, I really would like to share it with you. It was found in Exodus chapter 10, and it's when the ninth plague came. When that ninth plague came, the Lord said to Moses in chapter 10, verse 21 through 23, he says, stretch out your hand, Moses, toward heaven, and there may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness that can be felt. And I'm... I, for me, in this situation, in, in these past several months with this pandemic, it's more than just a darkness. It's a darkness that can be felt. It's a darkness that can be felt in our homes, our hearts, our lives. We just know that it's not just a pandemic. There's something else into this. There's something that's dark about it that, that can be felt that's really impacting hearts and lives far beyond a virus. And the, the, the Lord told Moses, to stretch out his hand that his darkness would be felt all over the land. But the people of God, it says in verse 23, the people of God, they couldn't go out, they couldn't come in, quarantine, but they had a light in their house. There was darkness that could be felt all over the land. People couldn't go in, people couldn't go out, but there was a light in the house of the people of God. And I believe that in this time, during this past two months, three months, God's been wanting to do something in your life, in your family's life, in my life, in my family's life, that that light, the light of the gospel, the light of the kingdom, the light of Jesus Christ would shine forth from our hearts and from our lives and from our homes. That there's light in the midst of darkness. And I believe that the lessons from today and the colic, is that right? 
the colic helps bring this into understanding. What a timely message. In Psalm 66, it says, Bless our God, you peoples. Make the voice of his praise to be heard, who holds our souls in life and will not allow our feet to slip. Promise. Watch this. For you, O God, have proved us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the snare. You laid heavy burdens upon our backs. You let enemies ride over our heads. And we went through fire and water. But you brought us out into a place of refreshment. The psalmist is writing back to a time where he's saying there was darkness and the darkness that could be felt. But there's always been a light in the house of the people of God. Lord, we've gone through hardship. We've gone through trial. We've gone through difficulties it seems like that we were never going to make it but you always brought us through what a testimony believe it beloved what a testimony what a truth what a truth that we can trust and our God's going to get us through it and not just get us through it we're not just here to exist we're here to glorify the name of Jesus Christ that he would be exalted in and through our lives and especially in the midst of this situation yeah, there's a darkness in the land, a darkness that can be felt, but there's a light in our house. Hallelujah. The colleague, the author of the colleague, the prayer, he says, oh God, listen to this. You have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. God, you got some good things for us, things that we can't even comprehend. And not everything that, is, that, that shines is gold. Hallelujah. Sometimes God wants to do something so deep and so awesome that it hurts. Gold's not made pure without the refiner's fire. And God is wanting to do something good in your life and in my life, but there has to be a fire. There has to be a time. There has to be a season. There has to be an, a, an avenue in which he could use us. And the author of the colic says, pour into our hearts such love towards you. God, give us this love towards you, this commitment towards you, this sanctifying work toward you, Lord, and you alone, that you're enthroned in our hearts. Watch this. So that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises. God, we want what you have for us. We want to be that light in the darkness. We want to be the salt in the dry land, hallelujah, seasoning and refreshing and bringing people to preservation. We want to be your answer in these days, as you said your church would be. We want to be your witnesses, Lord. Give us what we need, Lord, in order to do such. Give us what we need. So check this out. I have uh, developed a kind of an outline of, of a summarization of all this. The Lord has something for you. Number two, we cannot achieve it on our own. We need him to help us to receive and to achieve his promises in our life. The third, it will not always be easy, but with Jesus on the throne of our hearts, it will be glorious. And the fourth, as we'll see a prime example from the apostle Paul's life, he revealed the power of God at work in the heart of a believer. 
So the promise given, we see that in John's gospel, John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21, our reading for today of the gospel. And I'm just going to kind of reread it and explain these promises as you read it. So if you have your Bible, John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21, the promise given. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. This is a, a clause statement. If you love me, you're going to obey me. If you love me, you're going to follow me. If you love me, you're going to serve me. If you love me, you're going to obey my commands. That's powerful. The question is, if, if. One of the things that God will not do is force you. He will not rape you. He will not take you by force. He is a gentleman. He is patiently waiting and he is offering, he's inviting, he's alluring. He does what only he can do to bring you to the place where you can decide, but he's not going to force you. If you want to be used by God, if you want the promises of God, if you want what God only has for you through the life and the, 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 the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you got to remove that if. You have to say, I love you, Lord. I love you with all my heart, soul, and mind, all my strength. Lord, there's no room for anything else in this body. I love you. And from that, a sincere, honest love, you will obey. You will obey his commands. You will follow him. It continues, and Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be or he will be with you forever. So the first one was a clause, if. Now the second one is a definite article. This is powerful because it simply means God is going to act. And how he acts, Jesus is going to ask. The Father will give. And the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. Jesus will ask on your behalf. The Father will give to you generously and graciously. And the Holy Spirit will be with you always. It's a promise given. It's a promise given. And Jesus explains this. He says that this is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you'll know him because he abides in you and with you. And he'll be in you. I will not leave you as an orphan. Jesus says, there's a clause here. If you really love me, I'm going to do a definite action. And this definite action will be a set-apart adventure, which simply means you have knowledge of the Holy Spirit. For that Holy Spirit will live in you and, and with you, and he will guide you in all truth. He will tell you that which you never thought would be understood, and he will bring you to where you need to be. Think about that. Living in you and with you. Life. This is the same Jesus a couple chapters earlier that says, I've came to give life and give it to the fools. He's not talking about some dolled up life that you can do in your own strength, maybe capture wealth, maybe uh, accomplish some earthly things. He's talking about a divine life that leaves a legacy that even in the midst of circumstances being awful, God uses you to impact lives for 
eternity. A light in the midst of darkness. He says, I'm promising you. I'm promising you if you remove the if, I'll give you myself. I'll ask the Father will give and the Holy Spirit will be with you and he will lead you to this life. This is the promise given. It's from him, for him, because it's with him. God has a promise for you. Peter continues to go on. He says, the process explained. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 through 22, I would like to say the process explained because when Jesus had gave the promise, who was standing there? That's right, good answer. <laughs> the apostle Peter, he was standing there. So later on in Apostle Peter's ministry, after he had been baptized with the Holy Spirit in the day of Pentecost, and he began to live this ministry, this life, he began to live out the promise. He began to explain the process. In chapter 3, verse 13 through 22, and verse 13 and 14, he says, hey, don't be fear or don't be troubled. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate the inside. Don't allow a certain situation to trouble you. Now, this is Peter. Peter was known for overreacting or underreacting. Peter was known for being zealous and even having some fear about him when he denied Jesus three times the night of his crucifixion. That, later on, same Peter says, don't be troubled. Don't allow fear to get in. He echoes the message and testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, don't allow this fear to get in. Don't, you will be harmed. You will, you will go through some trouble. You will have some situations. You will know hardship, but don't be traumatized from the inside of it. And he says, the second thing he says here in verse 15, keep Christ on the throne of your heart. He says, but in your heart, sanctify Jesus Christ. As Lord, always be ready to make your defense to anyone and who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it in gentleness and in reverence. The word sanctify is a word that's always talked about how the, the, the Holy Spirit is a process of, of making us holy. It's a process of, of bringing us to, to what, what God wants us to be in his image and his likeness, righteous holiness, the, 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 the fruits and the, the giftings of God revealed through our life and in our life. But in the man's sense, sanctify, it's not a one-time event, but it's a daily act to set apart holy. Peter says, don't be afraid. Don't allow trouble to get in. And this is the key. Put Jesus as Lord of your heart daily. Be reminded today who's the king of your life. Be reminded today who's in charge of the situation. Be reminded today who has the keys, not only to the earthly things, but to everything, even in heaven. Be reminded that Jesus is Lord of your life. You've given your life to Christ. You don't even, it's not even your life anymore. It's his life in you, the hope of glory. I've always heard that 
if you if you wait to prepare once we have hurricanes here in in, in Florida all the time and if you wait until they have like a two-day window, if you wait until the day of the hurricane to hit and prepare, it's too late. All the water's gone. All the batteries gone. There's no generators. And winds are already starting. You can't move around. Everything shuts down. If you wait till when the storm arrives to prepare, it's too late. That's why Peter says, hey, check this out. Do it daily. Put Jesus, Lord of your heart, daily. Let him set on the throne daily. Sanctify Christ as Lord daily. He's the boss. He holds the keys. He's in charge. And he says, continue to live godly. Continue to obey. Lord, I love you with all that is within me, and I'm going to follow you. The promise given, the process explained. And the last thing, the power revealed. In Acts chapter 17, our reading today from the book of Acts, verses 22 through 31, it talks about the story of the Apostle Paul at Mars Hill. And he's there in, in Athens on Mars Hill, and he begins to give one of the most powerful messages to a heathen generation. And he did it with boldness. I mean, it was boldness. But as you look at it, Paul had just left Thessalonica with some trouble, then went on to Berea, and the people from Thessalonica heard that he was in Berea and was coming to get him in Berea. And he had to leave again by himself. And it says in Acts chapter 17, it says that he, he was waiting in Athens for everybody else to join him. He was all alone. He had nobody around him, isolated. But then he started looking at the darkness. He started looking at the idols, the people that were misled, the people that were worshiping the, the deadness of this world and the falseness that, that's promised in it. And it says he came up to Arapagus or Mars Hill. And really what it is here is the hill of Ares. And what, it, what Ares is, is the Greek god of, of mythology, mytho, mythological Greek god of war. This was a mountain of war. This was a mountain of hardship. This was a mountain of trouble. And the people that gathered that was in charge of that area were men of war, men who worshiped war, men who celebrated war, men who longed for difficulties and hardship. And in the midst of that, Paul sets up Jesus as Lord of his heart, Lord of his life. And he begins to testify, this is God. He came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, just as the scriptures would declare, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, placed in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea,us and rose on the third day for you and for I, and whoever would believe would be saved. In the midst of darkness, War on a mount of war, a light shined. What about you and I? Gold and silver is never formed a forge without fire. And I'm a true believer coming from what's taking place in Vietnam. Revival mostly never occurs without hardship. Lights are only used in the midst of darkness. 
We're in a dark generation. We're in a dark time. A darkness that can be felt. God has a plan for your purpose, for your promise. But you can't do it without Him. You need Him. You need Him to be Lord of your life. Take away the if. Lord of your life. Daily. So that pray with you. I would like you just to repeat after me a simple prayer. A simple prayer of, of commitment, of receiving, and of reflecting. Just repeat after me. Father, thank you for your promises. Thank you that you said if we love you, Jesus, we will obey. Lord, I pray now. Help me to love you with all that is within me. With all my mind, all my body, all my strength. So that I can live gloriously to you. Let my light shine for your kingdom in these dark days. Use for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all the way. Thank you for joining me on Sean and the Word.